Mm. Welcome. Welcome, everybody, to a new episode of uh, the Holistic Actress Show. And today, it's the first episode of 2024, and I am um, extremely excited to have a special guest that I really wanted to um, have a conversation with me, and I'm so thankful for him to be here uh, today. Uh, he is a philosopher. <laughs> explorer of human consciousness very deep and connected to his body through experience and he is the founder of somatic alignment uh and i can say also he is my teacher he's been my teacher and so i want to introduce you guys today santi ramirez thank you for being here thank you thank you should I call you Marite or, or how, how it will be? Like, I, I don't even know how do I refer to you, Marite. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we were just speaking about how difficult it is to define ourselves when it's about to get into communication to the external world. It's so confronting. And I, I mean, um, it's not easy to find the right words to yeah. say, this is me, you know, that's me. Totally, totally agree. Yeah, is is uh, as I say, you know, and we were talking about that before you started recording, which is at the end we we need to reconcile with with labels at some point because labels themselves allow them uh, allow us to interact with people. As I say, you know, like they they bring certainty to the ego mind that is always present. So I'm happy to be here. I like that introduction about. Your teacher, I think that that's the, the greatest batch to uh, and feel honored because when people call me teacher, I feel, oh, that's a great responsibility. And, and you're also my teacher because I get to learn a lot from you during those five days in the, in the training. So thank you for having me here. Thank you, Santi. Um, yeah, you are my teacher and uh, I, I love that, honestly. Uh, I love to find guidance from people that I trust and I think you have a lot of qualities and one of those is um, giving people an immediate sense of trust. Like you can really open up and relax and be. And this is just so rare in our society because we all try to cover our truth behind uh, personas, identities, and masks. And I'm an actress, so I know a lot about masks and personas. But uh, it's, a, it's a great quality, giving trust to people. But yet, I mean, you are so open and there is this sense of safety, enormous, but you are also so mysterious. You are such a mysterious person. <laughs> Like people come to meet you and they feel you, but they start asking, who is this guy? Where this guy is coming from? What's his story? How old is him even? Because sometimes I look at you, you could be like 18 years old, 38 years old. I have no, and it's irrelevant clearly, but there are all of those questions coming. And I was, and I was really wondering, I'm going to ask Santi, a little bit about his upbringing and uh, his life, how he came to 
the energy work. Uh, like, I'm really curious if you feel like to share a little bit of your of your history of, of your backstory. Okay, thank you. I like that mysterious part. I guess I, I think like life itself is a mystery, you know. And and the more that we ask questions, the the more certainties we we find in that mystery. So the question has been asked, and I'm a really obedient guest, and I'm going to answer it. I'm an open book, so I'm I'm 34, 33 actually years old. My my birthday will be the 9th of February. That will be three weeks from now. Um, and about my upbringing, I think that I have a really kind of average childhood. I mean, that's what I thought by that time until I started exploring and, and digging deeper into, into those years. But I would say decent childhood. So I come from a family, I'm from Colombia. Okay. Uh, I have an older brother, and my family constitution is my mom, my dad, and uh, my brother. Uh, let's say we didn't have kind of to go through any hardship, I would say, in, in our main needs when I was growing up. When I say main needs, I'll say financially we were quite a stable. Mom and dad, they had their works and their jobs. Uh, and yeah, I didn't get to experience much of the upheavals or the hardship of life until a certain point that I think, because I don't remember that much of my childhood at this point, I think that it was at the age of nine, my father got depression. And mm -hmm. he entered this kind of depressive state for around three to four years. So let's say that I lost my father. He was there physically but he was emotionally absent. He was not there. So my mom had to take the role of the father, like the leader and, and the structure of the, of the family uh, dynamic, plus the mom. And I didn't have kind of a father figure growing up. And in those stages where you are just kind of developing that, you are transitioning, you're becoming that like that teenager life where you where you're just... I stepping away from your family and you want to explore the world in a more social dynamic. And I didn't have anyone on my side to show me that. Uh, so I became kind of a rebellious teenager. I was a really problematic teenager, a lot of anger. I was getting myself into a lot of troubles, especially uh, I, I never had kind of any relationship with drugs or alcohol, but I, but I, really liked to fight by that time when I was kind of 14 or 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 it was from 14 to 16 or 17 I I had this anger problem and I, if, if we take it if we try to understand why that anger it was because I was not being seen in my family dynamic I didn't have the father to to show me better so I, I wanted to express all that energy that the teenage is feeling and put it somewhere, and the way that I found it was through through fights. I was going out pretty much every weekend, trying to pick up fights, uh, partying, and and that was, let's say, my my teenage life. Which I think that from that episode of not having my dad emotionally and physically, like experiencing that that uh, neglect, is where my healing journey actually starts. Because the healing journey, I think, that starts not when you are aware 
of the problems, but when the problems and the issues are actually manifesting. Mm -hmm. Are your parents so in, yeah, were yeah. your parents in um in your same I mean they were familiar with energy work? I know that Colombian culture is it's closer to the spiritual and the healing world, other than the Italian one, for example. We don't really have that uh upbringing in our culture. So you you were not raised in a in a family of um like a spirituality or healing world. That was something that came No, after. I was raised uh, in a family really conservative and Catholic and, and really rational, if we might say that way. Uh, everyone in my family, they, they come from a more kind of conventional way of looking at medicine. All of them, uncles, aunties, uh, cousins, all of them are in kind of in the health system, but the, the Western approach. So yeah. they tend to dismiss a lot this area that is more kind of energy and, and let's call it more metaphysical and not so tangible and visible. And, and that was kind of the box that I was put into when I decided to, to study my career because when I was exploring, I'd been always fascinated by 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 the human, by by the, the the more sensitive part of the human. But when I was expressing that to my dad at a certain point uh, to to pick my my university degree, he said that no, that doesn't give you money. So because I wanted to study philosophy, it's more, more things that are, let's say more subtle and not so so rigid. So he said no, you first become uh, an engineer, and then you can take all of those things as a hobby. So I decided to study engineering, and I'm an industrial engineer, actually. Wow! I, <laughs> I didn't know that of you. I love that. You're an engineer. Okay, yeah, I, I, yeah. I have a degree in law, so I understand. Like, I have similar <laughs> First, you get a lawyer, and then you become an actress. <laughs> that, was the, that was the compromise. Crazy, crazy, huh? That was, yeah, that was, that was the narrative. For them, I think they wanted kind of to 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 bring that safety you know like what what we know is what makes us feel safe at some point yeah. so if if they 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 had that life with my dad work in a manufacturing company for his whole life since he was 20 until he retired at the age of 50 or something like that so he wanted the same because that's the path that they knew not because they wanted to dismiss or to disregard my dreams but because i know that they truly think and I still think that that's the best path that I can follow and when I say they still think it's because they still want me to to work on a corporate job they still call me sometimes and we talk and they say like so are you considering to to get a job anytime soon and I've been doing this for the last seven years ten years so it's it's really funny because I know that they do that out of law yeah. Uh, but that's that's kind of the box that I was put into. I got into my university degree. I worked three years in, in the corporate world uh, as an innovation manager. Uh, yeah, I was following. I think I was rushing up to get somewhere. I was speeding up. I thought that life is this kind of uh, run or a race that you have to get somewhere. So get your degree get your girlfriend, get married, get your family, kind of that script that we all have sold in, a, in those conservative 
families. And I was super good at certain point at following that that script. I was following what I was being told. I got a master degree after, and I wanted to do everything fast. I was not enjoying anything. So I, as soon as I get this, I'm gonna get this, I'm gonna get the other one. And then I will climb in, in this company hierarchy until I get to a better position. I get more money, I get to buy a house, I get to buy a holiday house, I get to buy a new car. Uh, I'm gonna get married by the age of 25. I was thinking about getting married until the whole thing collapsed. <laughs> What happened then? <laughs> so the, the, the house of cards collapsed when, when my girlfriend, I, we were kind of engaged and we're going to get married and we broke up. So and that at that point, I felt that the whole life or the construct of my life, it was with my focus outward. And I have never looked at the pain that was inside. And if that was a pain, if I linked it now to my experience in my childhood, when I have an absence, uh, that it was still there. And I was trying to, to kind of fill up those, those spaces in the puzzle of my life with external fulfillment and with external achievements. And yeah, as soon as I broke up with my girlfriend, I just realized, whoa, this pain is there it's kind of the pain surface you know usually i tell people i i don't create any pain in the sessions they i, I bring them alive they are there like challenging situations they don't create pain what they actually is make you turn your your gaze in or them face what you have been avoiding most of the time and that's what it happened the the whole house of cards collapse and and that was the, the wow. turning point yeah, that's that's a question that I usually do by the end of the conversation because I love this question because I think that every single human being life is kind of a movie. Like I think everybody mm -hmm. has is living their own film, and uh, we do all our characters, and 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 we do have all one or multiple point of crisis like technically in acting we call them the point of crisis when the character goes through at the not turning back point and that's where the story changes and flips and there is uh, this conflict that can no longer be sustained and the character changes uh, and so something happens and uh, I love my acting coach always mentioned uh, Al Pacino in The Godfather when uh, Al Pacino when the godfather number one uh the original one so he goes to queens uh to uh, meet the people who tried to kill his father and his father is at the hospital and he's also almost dead and he wanted to be a military he wanted to be a good guy he tried so much to be like far away from his father i'm not the good father i'm not the good father but at that point he knows that he's gonna go he's gonna go killing those people and from that moment on he's never gonna be a good guy anymore and he's gonna be mm. the good father and i, I, I love this scene because it's a really that's, that's not a turning back and i think every single one of us we have kind of of a scene that really flips everything and and everything changes and we don't choose that 
it's usually something that happens. Like you broke up with your girlfriend, you were about to get married. I lost my boyfriend, you know, all of those things that you say, whoa, <laughs> you know? Uh, and and so do, do you think that your no turning back point, um, the literally, you know, you closed one door and that version of you, it's done. It was when when you broke up with her and you decided to change your life. By that time, I didn't even know that I was the no turning back point. I like I if I if I look kind of hindsight now when I look back at my life and I say, yeah, definitely it was that point. Because it, it marked the transition from from the guy that was looking all the time from for, for external validation that was rushing his path through life that was trying to achieve and it marks the transition into the guy that is always coming back to himself when he's experiencing any sort any sort of challenges or obstacles because i i do know now that what is being projected in the outer world is something that i need to integrate inside so if i look now at this position in my life yeah that was but I didn't know that. So I think that I have had a couple of them where I say, whoa, there's no way that I'm going to get back to that life, even if this one that I have at this moment can become really challenging, because that's what I usually say. We think that because we're doing the work, life becomes easier or more forgiving. I know life keeps happening the same. Life, it happens with up and downs, and it keeps flowing with different rhythms. But we just become more resilient and we develop different kind of resources to navigate that life. And, and I have experienced a couple of those uh, situations and, and events where I say, whoa, there is no way I'm, I'm, I'm going to get back to, to that life that I had before. I know that I can do better. I know that I'm following something greater. I know that that this person that I have become after all of those obstacles that I have uh, overcome uh, have brought me so much joy and so much also sadness and, and different kind of emotions but they are they are the catalyst of my growth if I can say that way but yeah we can pick that one <laughs> yeah there's any there's any person um that uh, has been significant in your path of change like mm. the most significant person in your journey of we, we, we meet people according to the stage that we are on life so according to what we need in order for our soul to evolve we will meet that person that will bring that either tool to help us or resource to help us or that challenge because we also meet people that bring challenges into our lives and that's the call of okay it's time to step forward but i usually i like to to give credit to my teachers or to everyone that, that have come to to help me if we take it back to to the hero's journey and, and you know that I like a lot of mythology and I use a lot of myths when I when I teach actually in my trainings the hero needs to meet a, a guide a teacher a mentor and I would say probably the first mentor that I had that took me from the shadows of of my pain when I broke up with my girlfriend and told me Hey, look! I'll show you a different way to to go through through hell, but to go through that threshold where you will be able to experience transformation. And and I'll give you, and that that's the person that actually told me I'll give you this torch 
to bring light into those places where they are just shadows. And, and it was the first mentor that I had. And we went into a journey for around two, three years, and, and it was beautiful. Wow. Yeah. Mentors are special. And now you are a mentor for many people. How does it feel like? It feels, again, uh, I, I I think, as I say, something that keeps me really humble when someone tells me uh, you're a great teacher or you're mentoring people. Yeah, I'm, I'm guiding people in into those stages that I have transitioned already because I think that that's the only thing that we need in order to guide someone and is have gone through those obstacles that someone is facing and just give some sort of perspective. We don't need to walk for them. But what it keeps me humble is to give credit to those that are, like, that are in my path. And, and I always kind of throw the ball at them. And when they say, no, great, the somatic alignment is great, or the way you teach, and I say, yeah, because they taught me that way. And and so it's a way yeah. of, of sharing. Yeah, the, you, the I was this. so surprised by that uh, humble side of you. And uh, I think, uh, I think sh you should be less humble because you really bring a lot <laughs> of your own things to the work. I mean, we always want to be grateful to our teachers, but I think that you really have your own um, important piece on the work that you are sharing and, and teaching and to others. Uh, I would be so curious to know, like, what's the, the most uh, fascinating thing about human beings for you? Oh, that's, that's I know that question. doing your work, you must have you must have a lot of patience. Like doing your work and dealing with uh, humans, uh, emotions, trauma, bodies, uh, energy. It's not for it's not for everyone. Uh, so mm. you must love human beings to do that. Yeah, uh, the most fascinating thing. I will I will take it from both angles. I I like this theory of polarity a lot so I will I will give you two one okay. of them is really hopeful and the other one is really helpless and, and hopeless one is is how resilient we are as humans I think that's really interesting it does not matter how many obstacles we encounter uh, how many challenges come to our way I think that we have the capacity when we explore it with with commitment to rise back again and and that's what i call the hero again the hero does not mean that the hero doesn't fall the hero is the person that falls and becomes heroic but rising back again and coming back into into that center into that balance into that light uh, so that that ability to i, I think that is unlimited and, and that's fascinating i've seen really challenging stories in this work over the last seven years and, and people that have overcome so many obstacles that actually bring me a lot of hope. But on the other hand, it also kind of made me wonder how stubborn we are. Like we, we, we get to realize that some things, the way we live them and we experience them, they don't work, but we keep going and we want them to work even when we know and there's clear evidence that that's not the way to go. Uh, so that's another kind of interesting fact about humans that we have both. 
kind of a, a greater consciousness that is more connected to God or to the divine or to the universe that make us shine. But we also have this kind of stubborn animal way of behaving that keeps going through obstacles and facing the same obstacle over and over again until we touch rock bottom and we know like, hey, this is not the way. So let's say those two poles, they need to be integrated in the middle in order to 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 evolve. And and do you feel more human, animal, or do you feel more spiritual and spirit? Or I, I have reconciled with both of them. I I was writing yesterday, I like that. I was writing yesterday about this concept of, of the hero. And if we take it back to, to mythology, the hero is half human, half God, because he's, he's being born by, by gods uh, having like intercourse with, with humans. So, and that's in many kind of cosmogonies or myths, that's the way humans kind of have these both parts. And, and I feel, I'm reconciled with both of them. I don't have this pretentious feeling of grandiosity that I'm God, but I know that I can reach God and I can experience and feel the divine being manifested in a physical reality. But I also feel compassionate towards myself when I'm when I'm fucking it up. <laughs> Sorry for my language, or when I when I'm making mistakes, or when I when I feel I'm not showing up uh, in the best way possible for myself and for my community. So mm -hmm. I, I think that I navigate both with with the sense of awareness. Yeah. Are you hard on yourself when you feel that you are <laughs> more of a human <laughs> sometimes <laughs> when you go in that direction? I, that's important because you know what? I think that like people that we look at as mentors and teachers, we always look at them like, oh, they are, they don't suffer. They don't get angry. <laughs> they are healed. They, you know, and the reality of things is that it's not, I mean, we are all in the same boat and we just have different levels of self-awareness and awareness or um, connection to our way of living uh, God, the universe, the spirituality, nature. So knowing that, you do get angry or you do have your um humans uh moments it's uh i think it's uh gives permission to people to be uh in totally. their own, you know totally i love i love because we we have this misconception about reaching certain state when it comes to healing as you say uh, they are healed and i don't think that healing uh or heal this state. We never reach a state. You know, as I say, life is in constant movement and there's no such a thing as, as getting to one point and staying there unless you are looking for enlightenment. I guess like those avatars that they have come before us, the Buddha, the, the Christ, they probably have reached those states and that's where you get into, into oneness with, with the divine. But we as humans, we need to be more compassionate towards ourselves than, and knowing that healing is a journey and is our life journey. And if we take it back to the concept of healing, what healing means is to, is to recover our capacity to be whole. Healing and whole, they come from the, from the same kind of uh, root word, which, which it means. And when it's to be whole, is to integrate all of those parts 
into our human nature, the part that is angry, integrate it. We don't cast it as outside. We don't put it in, in exile because we know that anger is, is also part of being a human. We, we take the part that feels frustrated, that feels sad, the part that feels joyous, the, the part that is connected to the purpose, the part that feels jealous. So when we integrate all of those parts is where we actually can say, okay, I'm, I'm getting back to, to wholeness because I'm able to integrate everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good reminder, by the way. It's a good reminder <laughs> for everyone. Um, I'm going to ask a couple of more questions before letting you go. Um, Love it. Um, so speaking about change and transformation, because that's what this podcast is centered. Um what do you think it's the ingredient that people need to integrate or use, or I don't know what word is the best to use, but like, what's the in ingredient to create change? Like the ingredient, or maybe you have more than one that you really would like to suggest people who don't know how to create change and transformation who don't know maybe don't even believe it's possible to create change mm. and transformation because i see that a lot like all of those li limiting beliefs and uh, physical blockages and uh, dissociations and state of total um disillusion that people have so many times depression and and so people don't believe in change many times. They don't think it's possible to create change. And I love that you said to us during the training, and you were really, really believing what you were saying was like, everything you want to do, it's possible. Like mm. nothing, it's impossible. You can become anything you want to. And what's, what's your formula? If there is one mm. formula. I I think when when I say everything is possible, it, it's coming from experience at the end. So as I was sharing at the beginning, I come from a family that's extremely conservative. I followed the path of becoming an engineer. Then I couldn't be uh, I couldn't know. I decided not to be an engineer anymore. I left my country or left my country and decided to to explore. What I was capable of, I become a scuba diving instructor, even when they told me I cannot be a diving instructor because I had asthma by that time. And then I decided to, to found what somatic alignment is and work on my own. And so I've been exploring kind of those unlimited capacities that I was talking about before. And when I say to people that everything is possible is because I truly believe that impossible just respond to the status quo of the moment. And I will explain myself there, which is if I would have told you, I don't know, two centuries ago that we were going to be able to fly and, and to move from one country to another one, you would have told me, no, that's impossible because that was what it was in the field at that moment. So someone needs to be really courageous to dream something different than the reality to be able to, to make it true. So at the beginning of the 20th century, someone decided to believe that you are able to fly. I think that they were the 
the Wright brothers and, and, and now if I tell you that I'm going to go to Italy where you are, I just need to go to the airport, buy a, fly, uh, a flight ticket, and I'll be there. And, and you, you won't be amazed by the fact I'm flying from one place to another one. And things that they have been evolving through ages all the time, like if we see the way we communicate to each other uh, now through social media, when I was a kid, that was non-existent. So all of those things by that time, they were impossible. So the first thing, to make something possible is that you need to dare to dream that something is possible. You need to, to reconnect with that hope. And I think that that's the first transformation comes when you truly know, and I'm not think, talking about the, the thinking or the rational knowing, I'm talking about the inner knowing that you know that this is possible, that you don't know how it's gonna happen, that you don't know the step-by-step, -step, but you know it deep inside you, that you know it with your heart, that you feel it, that mm -hmm. transformation is possible. So to be able to do that, you need to dream and to bring some sort of awareness in, in, in terms of what you want to transform. Because if you don't have the awareness, no one can change what they are not aware of. So to develop yeah. awareness, if we keep connecting the dots, you need to observe all the time and to get back to yourself to turn your gaze inward, it will be the process. Okay, what is it not working in my life? Why do I want to change this? How can I start changing this? What is the person that I want to become? So to be able to move from point A to point B, you first need to know where point A is. So you need to be honest with yourself and realize where you are. Be aware of what's what you want to change, dare to dream and be committed to the process. So find your guides, find the tools, find resources. You are not meant to do it by yourself. If we're talking about mental health, if we're talking about the spiritual growth, because this concept of self-help, I think that is sometimes a little bit dismissive of the, the results that we can achieve when we are supported by a community. And, and yeah, be committed to the process because we also live in a society that is really drawn to get results immediately so we we go to to one session and if nothing happened in that session i just put that aside and i start exploring something else so at the end our ego will be always looking for fleeting experiences but not committed to a process until the transformation happened yeah thank you for that beautiful i think that it's uh, even in my work uh, as a coach I see that so much people coming to me and thinking I'm gonna pay you and you're gonna solve my problems doesn't work okay. this way I usually when I see this energy or this kind of people with a lot of impatience and anxiety and uh, arrogance I say you cannot be my client <laughs> I don't want to work with you because I it doesn't work that way it's quite the mm. opposite I need you to willing to commit to yourself and i i cannot do the work like it's not my work it's your work there's no magic pill and there's no shortcuts um and yeah it's bold it's courageous but it's true it's possible like it's possible to change and you work a lot with the body your um method can i call it that way let's go <laughs> you... that way <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you are the founder of Somatic Alignment, which is an, an, you know, it's an important piece of your life. 
it's a central piece of your life now, right? I I mm -hmm. I done the training with you in Kiel in Germany, and I I have experienced on my skin the power of this work. It's incredibly, uh, you know, <laughs> you get surprised by seeing the physical process, like literally physical, what happens sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes what can happen to people who go through somatic alignment sessions. Um, sometimes it's not that easy to explain that that process. W would you like to to try to give us to some something about somatic alignment? Yeah, definitely. I will, I will do my best. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I think that there are many ways to explain what somatic alignment is. So for me, if I take it more again into a more romantic way to explain it, I think that is a process that I have developed through my own journey that it aims to remind every single person that experiences their unlimited capacity to experience love and not the romantic aspect of love as they are getting into a relationship. But when I talk about love is the 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 principle that encapsulate that encapsulate uh, our reality or infuses our reality. If we call it that if we might say it that way. So that they may might feel self-love, that they get to express love in everything that they do, that they get to experience love or to see life through the lens of love. So most of the traumatic experiences that we have uh, gone through, what they do is they actually disconnect us or shield us or armor us against the experience of love itself, self-love, so love to one another, and love to life itself, to live a life that brings us joy and fulfillment. At the end, the foundation of that is, is this principle. So that would be kind of the romantic way to put it uh, into words. But if we want a more uh, explaining it, I think that we just need to, to define what alignment is. And alignment means to put two or more things into a point that they can connect. So what we're trying to bring into alignment in those that are looking for guidance, their minds, their bodies, and their so these three different aspects of their human experience that we can say that they find also alignment but finding coherence in what they think, what they feel, what they sense, that sometimes they, like those three aspects of our life, they not even speak in the same language. We think something, we feel a different thing, and we sense in something completely different through our body. So what we do, in the somatic alignment process is to bring alignment through these three aspects of the human experience by working on the body, by working on the energy field, and by working on the breath at the foundation of, of our energy field, and by working on the nervous system, and that it has kind of different intricacies. Yeah. You're very um, good with all the body structure <laughs> i remember when i when i, when I was uh, at the training i was very impressed about how good you are at knowing the body like really knowing every single piece of the body where are the things all of those uh um every single like all of those 
all of this connection, how it shows up literally in, in a on a physical, on a on a material plane mm. in the body. Um so like a like really I think you have this gift really to be so fast and understanding what's going on in somebody body really fast right is that true like I, I, well, that was my impression like you get a body and you feel right the way what's out of balance uh, what's need to be is that something that you always had this capacity of feeling perceiving um i don't know i i, I love that you know like i was hosting a, a workshop in latvia by the end of the year and, and one of the guys came to me at the end of the workshop and and he asked me and say, were you born with this gift or you developed this gift? Because well, apparently I was working on his knees and, and he had a knee problem. And I got to, to pick that one straight. And, and I do believe, or my answer is that we all have that gift. We lost it or we kind of put it away or put it aside is because we live in a society and, the, and in our kind of upbringing or the most average way that we have been raised is that we pay a lot of attention to our minds, that we pay a lot of attention to our thoughts. So if I'm asking you right now what you're thinking, you will be really good at picking up that thought and say, this is what I'm thinking. But if I ask you what you're feeling or what's in the field right now, you will be probably needing more time to tap into what is in the field. Most of the people will close their eyes, they will try to connect, they will do their best. So we need more time because we have not actually exercised these abilities. So I will say that we are all born with this, of course, because I was living this life that was being portrayed to me. I disconnected from those gifts since at early age. But as soon as I started to explore back again, it becomes kind of a path of remembering, not about learning something new, but I was like, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, and, and when I allow myself to pause, because that's that's kind of the greatest teaching I give to all of you in the somatic alignment training, which is don't do anything. Allow yourself to pause and observe, because when you observe, something starts unfolding in the space. But we humans, again, as, as we are conditioned in, in our society to always do something, to be active, uh, to be productive, we don't allow the space to naturally come to surface. So when we step aside and just observe, we get to grasp everything that is happening in the field, in someone else's body, in someone else's field, because it's just a matter of observing, pausing. Yeah breathing and being present not getting lost also in your in your thoughts so more body and less mind more that... feeling and less under more feeling and less understanding it will be it will be my <laughs> my way to go all the time it, i remembered someone the trainee was asking me i don't understand that i usually say don't understand it feel it feel mm. it stay there with the feeling one of my teachers one told me because i i in one of the trainings that I took long ago, I used to be this annoying guy asking all the time questions. And and the answer stayed in, in my mind because she said, Santi, you don't need to know what is happening when you, you turn on the light. And like you don't need to know the process for you to be able to enjoy the light. You just press the, the button and then you get light. 
and you enjoy it, but you don't need to go into the understanding, the rational understanding to feel that you're getting some light from that bulb or from that lamp. Just feel it, just sense it, just experience it. But we get so caught up in our mind trying to think and understand and rationalize everything. And some things, they not mean to be rationalized. So, so powerful and true. <laughs> So we're, we're headed to the end of our conversation. And um, of course, I want to thank you. And I want to also, oh, I, I'm going to describe all of your, I'm going to uh, upload all of your informations in the podcast mm -hmm. so people hopefully can find you and find your work and find uh, all of your, I know you travel a lot all over the world. So there are many opportunities to people to know you and work with you and your partner, partner Ellie. I know you work together. So um, she's always great at this work. Uh, it's good to be mentioned. Um, what else I wanted to say? Yeah. So last question of the conversation. Uh, it's the question I always ask. And I love this question. And who is uh, the person Santi is becoming? Hmm. I think, not, not that I think, you see, we tend to, to answer it with I think. I feel that I'm becoming a person that is slowing down more, playing more. I, I want to be more connected to that playful uh, side to enjoy more without the need to do anything and just being more with myself so more with 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 my with the people that I love with my family with my partner to to enjoy more kind of this human experience you know to to take it as a playground instead of, of rushing myself up into the next thing uh, this training and I need another training and how do I so I want to to tap into the slowness of of life and, and just let life take me where wherever I mean to go. And and yeah, supporting everyone in the somatic alignment family for me, as I told to all of you, as I said in the in the training, is not my thing, it's our thing. And as you are part of the family and another 36, 40 facilitators are already part of the family. I think that Santi wants to be there as 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 a pillar that they can rely on in case they need it. So I want to to be this standard of, of trust and safety for the family that we are, that I can lead that family into a great expansion to be able to serve more people around the world. Beautiful. Thank mm. you. And you are that pillar for us. Thank you. I feel seen. Yeah, you're a projector. That's exactly what you have to be. You have to <laughs> feel seen and recognized, and you are. <laughs> so I can say the success, which is your your theme, is here. You are aligned <laughs> with your with your design. Success in in this sense, in this sense of recognizement and being surrounded by people who can trust you and see your gifts it's totally here so i'm gonna thank you again santi don't go i'm gonna say you hi after the recording <laughs> stop <laughs> uh but okay. for everyone 
<laughs> Thank you so much for, for being here. Um, follow Santi on his social media, follow his work, uh, uh, join his trainings. He does training all over the world. Um, America, in the next uh, six months, you're going to be in California, in uh, upstate New York uh, and um, Colombia, right? Know. Yep. so many different things many different places and uh, please if you like the podcast follow the holistic actress show rate me leave me a star this helps me to grow letting all of those stories around the world to be louder and hopefully to inspire you for to create change and transformation i see you to next episode bye bye